0: Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts.
1: Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing John Tatarut, owner of Cardinal Oak Investments. He is a multifamily investor and syndicator who focuses on sourcing, underwriting, sponsoring, and capital raising for deals. He began in real estate during his software and technology career, buying multifamily real estate first, smaller properties focusing on finding vendors to repair, improve, and manage, and then shifting his focus to partnering with other ambitious real estate investors to acquire larger properties. John is now full-time in multifamily real estate. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, George. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate the opportunity to share
0: a few of my experiences in, in real estate and tech and maybe offer some insights
1: for listeners. Exciting! Well, I think there's a lot in your background that'll resonate with our listeners. So, John, you list your three greatest strengths as numbers, persistence, and listening. You want to pick one of those and expound on that.
0: Uh, sure. Um, I'll uh, do the persistence part of it. Um, the persistence, I think, is necessary. Uh, for any successful endeavor, but particularly for real estate, is that you can't you can't be be um, swayed if you have to pass on a lot of deals. You have to you have to look at a deal and and decide I just can't do this and get discouraged by that whole that whole process. I, I you know I, I've gone through coaching and a lot of people have, and I've talked to a lot of people who've been in coaching who have gotten very little out of it. I I got a lot out of my coaching and and i can strongly recommend it if you think that you have the the um the funds to afford it and the time to take advantage of it i um i know that it's a big step but uh people in coaching are often a big reason for failure through that process is persistence that you don't think that you can do it you're you're trying a few things and nothing's working um it's you got to get back on the horse and keep trying it again and do something and and talk to people about why it isn't working and try different things that's been um the case for me and i've even known i mean applicable to properties in particular i've had properties where um the the uh the capex just seems to pile up and like one thing after another I'm like holy cow where did all this stuff come from and i had one where where um you know the tenants were telling me about issues and i was responding to them but in this case not fast enough and they Made a phone call to somebody in the city and say, "Oh, there's a problem with this property." The city came out, looked at it, and and started giving the all these ultimatums. And I thought, "Holy cow, this is earlier on, and it's just a rude awakening." Nothing they did wrong. I mean, the, these were bona fide issues. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I had more time for it, but you know, you think about, "Whoa, should I sell this property? as a distressed property?" And the answer is emphatically no. Don't do that. Find the money to make the fixes. In my cases, I I um, replaced a roof. Um, water is the bane of our existence, of course, and and so um, roof leaks you can't live with, of course. You got to get those fixed, and you, they can't keep coming into tenants' top floor units. And so we did. We fixed it, and then little by little, got, things got better, in my capex budget um, was blown, of course, significantly, but we got better tenants, owned it for a little while longer, got rents up. And then um, income valuation was more than met our targets. And we sold it and we did did really well with it. Uh, But I would have never predicted that in the middle of doing all those fixes. And that's the kind of thing. You just have to keep your head on straight and know that what you're doing is the right thing. You know what to do, and you need to keep being persistent at accomplishing
1: Yes, I love talking about the speed bumps. I think that's one of the things that I look for in an operator. If someone's willing to talk about their failures and missteps, that's that's somebody whom I can trust if things get difficult, is going to know how to pivot and and get around all that stuff. Of course, that's more like a speed bump. Sounds like you really found the way to turn that around, and, and that's great. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, I love to talk about alternative investments. And so you've made some, I would say, maybe more exotic alternative investments in a day and age of Shark Tank. I think everybody's heard of angel investing or at least the concept, but you've actually made some investments. Why don't you tell us what, what that's like? Uh, and maybe from the standpoint of when people hear about syndication, they say, wait, my money's going to be locked up for five years. How does that compare to, to being an angel investor?
0: Yeah, um, an an angel investor is more of a long shot. I'm much more comfortable investing in in real estate, even if it's not my own, because I can um, have some influence on it. If you're in an angel investing mode, uh, ninety, probably 90, 95% of the value you bring is your funds. You're not necessarily bringing a lot of of skill to... uh, to a startup company, unless you have a board seat or some kind of representation, that's not really what they're looking for out of you. Maybe you have some experience. And I mean, there are exceptions to this. A lot of people, a lot of angel investors have one particular area that they like to focus on. And I know you have some deep skills in, in a few areas you're probably sought out after for joining a team. Sure, make an investment, but we'd love to pick your brain on these things. Most angel investors are don't are not really in that mode, um, so it's not something the angel investor can um, can reach out and and make recommendations on. They're, they may or may not even be one of the only investors. They might not have a lot of influence, and the the, the founders are um, they're not necessarily in a mode of of wanting the advice of of somebody who invested in their company. Um, which I totally get. Real estate's a little different. Not that if you're a passive investor, you're not going to be able to call them up and say, you know, you need to, you need to change your marketing. You need to um, start it, <laughs> using um, using TikTok to find your tenants. TikTok. No, I like
1: the- I like that analogy there because I think that it's very true. I do know a couple of passive investors who became or worked towards becoming active investors through doing something just like that. And these are operators that I respect, so don't discount it. You could be a passive investor in real estate, and if you're interested in stepping up, very likely that that your your advice will be uh, valued and and an opportunity a real learning opportunity. But anyway, I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt the flow there. No, no, but no, good, that's, that's great, great great to hear about angel investing because it is so different. I mean, your money's locked up for a longer time. It's a longer shot, like you were saying. If you get some successful a- exits, though. Usually you're getting uh, a very large multiple of your money yes, yes
0: and and they say like um a lot of angel investors are they put their money into into ten startups eight of them completely fail. one yeah. of them get their money back and and one of them is a home run a 10x or, yeah. or something like that. and maybe that's true. I don't know how, how true that is across the board. I think you expect something a little different from real estate passive investing, but, but to your point, I, I, it, it is a great point And I, I share that philosophy that you, you're a passive investor. I mean, me as a syndicator, I, I, I love to have passive investors. You have some deep skill in some area. They might be, um, strong in social media i've got a decent amount of social media but i i am learning a lot and there are people who are way better at it than i am and i would love to learn from people put some money into a deal that i have and i'm gonna i'm gonna be calling you on the phone i'm gonna be asking you for things and i would i would ask them to reach out to me and provide me suggestions uh, things like that or or um if if the investor um it has is more boots on the ground in your market or something they they have potentially a lot of value they could add to your deal even though they're not obligated to um and most of them would love to they want to get involved they want to know that that um they can see more clearly how their money's being used so yeah those are great points and um so um you were asking asking about other ways that that people get involved in deals and how the how the uh investors can get returns. I, I, um, you know, I would point them back to the reason I got into real estate in the first place is is being able to influence the investment itself, having control over it. Not necessarily that it's in my backyard, but just having um,
1: a high degree of control over over how that money is is being spent and used. Yeah, that control is huge. If you know what you're doing, you can definitely use that to drive some mighty returns. Well, now before we wrap up. Sometimes we give our guests the opportunity to turn the tables and ask a question. So, if you'd like to do that, please go ahead.
0: You, you know, George, um, one of the things that I've been always been interested in, and in in, um, in both business, but especially in real estate, is tracking performance. And as as you know, there are a lot of numbers we could track. Um, and performance measurement and performance improvement starts with knowing where um what your performance is today and just curious from your perspective what what kind of metrics do you track that gives you the best insights on where your performance is today and and what areas do you need to improve in
1: so a lot of that has to do with property management so I want to look at retention I, I want to have a large proportion of releases because new leases are expensive and it also indicates that there's potentially an issue at the property. So I want to make sure that people are staying and I want to make sure we're doing things for them. Like, for example, one place we had a a community day, Uh, there's some evangelism came out and they brought, turned it into like a carnival and people just loved it. That was great. We're going to put out some pies this year for Thanksgiving. So those are some things that I do that feeds into that metric. I also want to keep track of occupancy. If we're not getting people in quickly, what's the deal? You know, Do we need to lower the rents? Are rents moving backwards? Did we get too aggressive with the rents? And what's the occupancy in my market? We should be at or exceeding that. Um, those are a few things I like to do, but expenses are also huge. And regardless of whether I'm doing the bookkeeping or someone else's, I want to get a very close handle on what's going on. And what I like to do is is take a sort of a horizontal analysis. So in accounting, when you look at, say, month by month, do you see a month where something kicks up a lot? Hey, we had a lot of repairs and maintenance this month. What happened? Okay, there was a fire in a unit. Okay, if it makes sense, move on. But you've got to keep asking those questions because when you see things tick up and it doesn't make sense, then you've, you've got to go back and, and and take a take a deeper look. You can also do... Uh, sort of a vertical analysis, and just see like what percentage are each of my expenses each month, and when you see that kick up, uh, you know what what sort of things you know might that that indicate. So once I'm running a deal, I look very very closely at the accounting and at our retention metrics.
0: Yeah, those are great
1: insights. It it just
0: gives you a much firmer footing for those conversations with your property manager and making sure that they're aligned with you, and and uh, it helps you communicate where your interests and and priorities
1: are as well. I mean, just looking at the things that they should be looking at too. Yeah, absolutely, and thank you for the question. And I, I hate to add it, but I think we got to kind of head into the uh, we used to call it the lightning round, but I call it the seven. These are the Questions that I ask every guest, rapid fire. All right, John, you ready? I am ready. All right. (laughs) If you could be known for only one thing, what would it be? Uh, honesty and integrity. What's the greatest lesson in leadership you've learned as an entrepreneur? Uh, to to uh, to listen, to be
0: talking to people who work with you and for you, and and uh, and other other um, stakeholders, and and ask open ended questions and listen to
1: their answers. Personal characteristic has been most pivotal to your success.
0: Uh, my ability to um, uh, dial in um, technical issues, numbers, and being able to translate them to uh, um, to
1: real-life outcomes and experiences. All right. So let's take it up a notch. Here's my random question stack. So just <laughs> tell me when to stop cutting this deck, and we're going to take something. Oh, no, co- I'm
0: just kidding. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> okay. Ready. Ready when you are. All right. Oh, this is a good one. What posters did you have in your room when you were young? Uh I, I
0: my favorite um, musical group was Chicago. I, I would say I had Chicago post, a poster, one or at least one or two Chicago po- posters.
1: So. Okay, good. Yeah, that brings back memories. So I had all kinds of rock posters on my wall. So yes, the <laughs> good old days. <laughs> Uh, so can you name a book that's helped to forge you as a leader and entrepreneur and tell us why?
0: Um, wh- One of my favorite is uh, uh, living with a seal. Uh, it, it was, it's a book written by, um, uh, let's see, I think it's um, Jesse Isler and about David Goggins. And since the book was written, they both become much more famous. And so it's a, uh, it's, it's out there a lot, but it wasn't quite that way when the book was written. And then it's like, it's insights from this guy who is, um, he's quote, just a, a Marine, but he's so much, su- such a uh, an insightful and and powerful person um, who is in the Marines that are Navy SEALs, I should say. I'm sorry, I apologize for anybody who, who is sensitive about the difference. He is a Navy SEAL. And um, he has insights on on overcoming obstacles in your mind and getting you to push to do more than what you thought you could do. And it's applicable for your physical fitness, but also in your real life in general. And it, Jesse, at the time, was a very successful person. He's much more successful today, but um, but he was uh, he it was clear in his book that he learned a lot from David Goggins, and and I still do today.
1: All right great great tip uh book tip there I like it because I don't know what I'm going to do if somebody recommends uh the purple bible again but
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. okay so can you give us a tip or trick that real estate investors can implement in their business today
0: uh it, it, it is um developing your own underwriting model um meet, You know, if you've got any degree of skills with with a spreadsheet, and and you really need to in real estate today, um, you don't have to be a spreadsheet pro, but take some classes. There's a ton of free online classes for um, Microsoft Excel. At least that's the one that I use. Learn the spreadsheets, then take the underwriting models from from your favorites. Who you know? There are a lot of free versions or nominal cost versions out there from experienced industry gurus, people who teach and train, and they're, these are these are great underwriting models, then develop one of your own. Take the concepts and ideas from it, because that really helps you um, understand uh, the issues with your deal, the um, <clears throat> strengths and weaknesses of an offer that you might make.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think you got to stay in your lane and know what value you provide. Decide uh, how, what role you're going to play but everybody should be an underwriter to some extent. I wonder if we can go for a bonus because I've heard you speak eloquently about the importance of really knowing your neighborhood. And uh, could, could you say a couple words about that? The importance of, and how do you do that?
0: Yes. There, there are lots of ways of finding that out. I mean, I learned early on when I sold properties down the street, I mean, half an hour away from me, I bought properties that were three hours away. And so my job changed from managing the property to managing a property manager. And once I was doing that, I was in conversations with them. I realized I could buy anywhere in the US. I didn't have to drive to the property. And so then I started looking around and it's like, oh, what? Oh, you got to find an emerging market you got to find a market with various attributes and once you do um you you're looking for uh things about the neighborhood you want to do learn as much as you can beforehand about the neighborhood uh, you you have to uh know what kind of homes and businesses are around it uh you you have to know what's being gone on going on developing Development-wise, around it, and you can learn that from from other people, property managers, and real estate brokers in the market. You have to learn um, a lot about it: the demographics, uh, cost of housing, income levels, population growth, job growth. Uh, there are online resources for all of this, of course, but um, and then you really have to visit it. You have to be showing up and driving the area and and learning learning what's going on around there. That's the neighborhood aspect. There's a lot of other uh, things that you need to look at before deciding to, to buy a particular property, like what are the rents nearby and compared to, to the rents of this property. But getting to know that as much as you can online and then making a visit, I would say there
1: are the key <clears throat> principles there. Excellent. Now, can you send us out with a quote to help forge our listeners as leaders and entrepreneurs?
0: Um, one of my favorite is, uh, and I, I don't even know who said it. It's probably said in various ways, but, um, it it goes, everything you want in
1: life is on the other side of fear. Beautiful. And now what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to John Tataru, internet, email, carrier pigeon, smoke signal. Yeah,
0: certainly my email works. John, J-O-H-N at cardinaloak.com. You could also go to learnaboutapartments.com, learnaboutapartments.com and um, connects me, connects with my website and Linktree and, and all that other good stuff.
1: Excellent. Well, this was a great wide ranging discussion. I want to thank you for taking your time to share your knowledge and experience with our audience.
0: Thank you, George. Appreciate the opportunity.